Dr. Mark Thompson, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Window on the World podcast series today. I know that you're an expert in procurement systems and IT. What do we mean when we talk about open source software? Well, there are multiple definitions of open source, but fundamentally the core element of it is that source code is made openly available to licensed users, which makes it possible for them to tailor the software um, as they see fit to their their particular needs and to make constant improvements. So it's a sort of continual beta, if you like. And as such, open source differs very much from traditional proprietary models of software because because, uh, it has public components, public elements to it, uh, and therefore uh, tends to create a different different model of service provision. Uh, If you like, it's the sort of, um, it's the the constant beta model of uh, of software development. And why is this topical at the moment with the British government and its commissioning processes? We've seen quite a bit of coverage, I think, in the press recently uh, with stories of security breaches in government and and cancelled contracts, uh, in particular for example, the National Programme for IT, which uh, I think has cost north of somewhere around £15 billion. and we've seen in particular the boss of the Royal Free Hampstead NHS Trust, Andrew Ray, um, saying that you know, trying to implement um, some of the electronic me- medical record system and national programme for IT has cost his trust uh, upwards of uh, £10 million. And obviously that makes very good copy, I think, in, in, in the press where people talk about you know, how the trust has been unable to invest in new medical equipment such as x-ray machines, etc. It's a very emotive topic, I think, when it becomes linked with money and with cost. It's because IT systems and government delivery are seen as a perilous area in terms of people waste money on contracts, the contracts don't deliver, and then, oops, things go wrong. Government departments have, I think, about 100 major IT projects underway, and the total value of those uh, is around £10 billion. And almost every one of those departments has experienced serious problems implementing them. So and their IT difficulties are affected, amongst others, uh, the Criminal Records Bureau, Inland Revenue, National Air Traffic Services, Rural Payments Agencies, Department of Health, uh, Department of Work and Pensions. Um, and I think, you know, even back in 2003, the National Audit Office was, was reporting a lack of accountability, uh, a tendency, if you like, to publicise new initiatives early and then fail to deliver on them or think about quite how you're going to deliver on them a little bit later. Um, and the difficulties of delivering within a very changing and fluid political environment as well, I think, uh, and, and as well as project complexity. You know, IT is difficult stuff. It's very complex. It's very difficult to implement. And let's not uh, forget that it's not just government that struggles to deliver IT. Private sector uh, struggles uh, fundamentally to deliver IT to time, cost and quality. It's difficult stuff. And you've just written a report on open source software and IT for the Conservative Party. What did you find? The, the findings of the report were that um, government could take uh, much more advantage of opportunities, I think, to, um, to, to make use of open source, to drive a more level playing field, if you like, for, uh, for open standards and potential open source solutions uh, to assist the way in which government uh, proc- uh, conceives of and procures its major service delivery IT contracts. And that's not really just, um, not really talking about uh, some of the small, often very well publicised um, uh, government IT implementations, such, uh, for example, as the, as the, uh, as the road tax, uh, which you can now procure uh, online very, very simply. But we're talking really about the large multi-million pound IT service delivery infrastructure contracts, which tend to be tend to be sewn up by by uh, four to five major uh, service delivery providers. Um, 
And I think the idea that, that, that uh, those four to five service delivery providers have a sense that they are the only people capable of implementing uh, IT services on the kind of scale that government requires results in an inevitable imbalance of power there. And, and do you think that you talk about an imbalance of power and things having gone wrong, but this is a crucial area for the public sector to get right in the future, isn't it? To, to not only deliver the contracts on time, but also it's about public confidence. Very much about public confidence. Obviously, for as long as we continue to see some of the major headlines about IT, uh, IT delivery failure uh, and, and millions and millions of, of UK taxpayers' money uh, arguably going down the drain as a result of this, uh, it, it's, it's not going to go away. And ultimately, it tends to, it tends to undermine confidence in, in, in the government's, uh, the administration of the day, if you like, ability to procure any sort of large-scale public infrastructure. So though I think... I think some sort of change of uh, of the way in which uh, IT is is conceived of, uh, procured, implemented, and supported in, in government is is long overdue. Okay, so looking to the future now, will information systems help improve our, our lives for the better? Do you think we can get over all these initial teething problems that we've had for several years now and go into a brave new world where people put trust and faith? in the IT systems and open source software? Well, I think that's a really good way of, of looking at it, actually, because I don't, I don't think it's a question of whether information systems, you know, whether we need information systems or we don't, or, or unlike some of the coverage in the press recently, whether, you know, information systems is part of a big brother, new, new sort of bad world around the corner of surveillance and, 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 and monitoring. I think IS is, is essentially embedded now within the way that we work, we, the way we consume, socialise, uh, date, uh, inform ourselves of what's going on, as well as controlling and organising ourselves. In other words, it's our sort of very self-image, and I think particularly in relation to the new generation of so-called internet natives, this is very, you know, this is very real. Government has to find a way, therefore, to keep up with these consumer citizens, I think, who are IT literate and whose expectations are increasingly that, that they should be able to access government services via a shop window, if you like, which is online. And I think this, this absolutely is, is going to become more and more of an issue. Of course, there are real issues uh, about ownership of data, um, CCTV footage, uh, mobile and financial records, biometric data, uh, data using criminal justice and patient data. You know, uh, the confidentiality of patient data is going to be a massive issue. And of the security of these. So we've seen a few major security breaches. It's terrifying how many millions of people's personal data you can fit onto a small memory stick. So there's some real issues there, but government IT is here to stay. Yeah, but it's also at the centre of how we as the public receive uh, public services in the future, isn't it? You've talked about, about your driving licence and, and the, how um, reformed the processes are now for, for, for getting a, a new road tax or, or whatever. But, but it, it's crucial, isn't it, that we get the right systems now and we get off on the right footing when in the past we've got off on the wrong footing? I think, I think some of the most successful um, point implementations of government IT to date, and the most popular, in fact, have been those that have tended to stick to, stick to the knitting, to, to stick to being simple. Yes, the DVLA road tax system just combines three databases. It's, it's your insurance, it's your MOT, uh, and it's your car registration. And by check, checking across those three databases, you're able to procure your new road tax within five working days using a switch card. That, for me, has made a difference to my life. I think it's great. Similarly, the HMRC online tax return. Uh, again, some teething problems, but now it's made a real difference to many people's lives. You can now go online and buy ordnance survey maps that are, that are centred in, in your house uh, for about 16 quid, I think. And if you think about the difference, the sea change in provision of services via local government, where you can now report... Um, 
I don't know, abandoned cars. You can uh, you can apply for planning permission. You can you can deal with council tax inquiries. All of this stuff happens online, and all is increasingly joined up. My surgery the other day texted me to remind me that I had an appointment uh, uh, for, for you know, uh, with the doctor the next day. This stuff is great, and it seems to me that some of the lessons learned are. Keep it small, keep it simple, and always remember all the way through just who it is you're doing it for. And it also um, relates to the national security, doesn't it, in terms of who we put in charge of these IT processes and the delivery of government have to be trustworthy. I think there, there's one of the recommendations I've made is that the, the current government CIO, uh, who, is, who is very effective, in fact, in many ways, simply lacks the powers uh, in relation to a departmental chief information officers to drive through enough of a kind of robust uh, core set of, of, cri- of procurement criteria and of open standards uh, to, 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 to make a real sea change, if you like, in the way in which IT is procured in government. There is currently a very, very entrenched, uh, risk-averse uh, procurement culture within IT in government. Uh, there are problems about the, the skills. I think it's not just technical skills, but commercial contractual skills. So not only the skills to understand what it is you need to procure and how that fits in the, with and supports your, your core business processes, but also how to approach the market, how to articulate it to the market, how to evaluate what the market's saying to you, and of course, how to measure that the market is actually delivering to you what it said it would deliver. Uh, so there is a, there are a lot of real work at, at, at central level I think to build those that those core skills within government. So if we look to the future now how do we get the public to overcome the negative uh, perceptions of, of delivery through IT systems and procurement in the, in the future because you know we're going you outline a brave new world which is going to be much more trustworthy much more reliable and much more customer focused. I think that's a difficult question uh, it's made difficult for a couple of reasons I suppose. Um, one is that many of the current IT systems making the big, big headlines are the ones that we don't see. They're the, the large back office systems that we don't really notice unless they're not actually there. So, for example, post-SOA murders, um, there was a lot of call for a unified police national database across 43 police forces. Uh, it wasn't there. Um, and, and we only noticed it wasn't there when, when, when suddenly there was, there, was, there was a high-profile reason to have one. Um, so I think we, we kind of like to have these things. We'd like them to go on. We don't really want to see them. They tend to be the, the large, complex systems systems that cost all the money and the ones that are very, very difficult to deliver and on, on, on whom uh, we're very dependent on a small quantity of, of, of fairly entrenched suppliers. So I think for as long as we have an image problem about back-end large government IT, we're always going to be uh, we're always going to have problems uh, with public perceptions. I think so. I think perhaps the way forward is to make more, if you like, of some of the the positive examples of simple IT service delivery that we were talking about a bit earlier. Uh, it's surprising, if you like, how, how little uh, complementary material has been written about these these new services and, and and the way that they work. I think there's also uh, a role to be played by government in in promoting um, a, a new skill sets within IT that, that aren't just uh, proprietary. So if you look at, for example, Microsoft, which has a, a very well-developed and established career development path for raw IT graduates, nothing like that at all exists within the open source area. So I think some work about not only in terms of building demand in terms of government perception, but also in terms of thinking about future supply uh, as well in terms, of, in terms of building a workforce within the UK that can operate within open source. And from the report you've written, you do think that is achievable in the near future? 
Uh, I, th- I think it's very achievable. There are there are all sorts of governments, uh, certainly you know upwards of, of fifteen or sixteen national governments that are now aggressively pursuing open source. Uh, open source is beginning to colonise all sorts of um, all sorts of IT estates within the private sector. Uh, most notably, of course, uh, Linux o- operating system um, uh, in relation to to web hosting. Uh, but it's all we're also seeing I, 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 m- progressive quantities of organisations adopt open source, and I think also uh, all sorts of organisations are adopting different service delivery models for software. So no longer are we buying shrink wrap package software from proprietary software vendors. We're buying services. And I think we care less about the, the software makeup within those services and we care a little bit more about the, the ability of those services to deliver to us what we need. So um, very much so. I'm, I'm very positive. Dr. Mark Thompson, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Window on the World podcast series today. It's a pleasure.